0: Politics. This is The Michael Medved Show.
1: And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. It's a great nation with a great election coming up. I'm not talking now about the election of 2023, though there's a governor's race in Louisiana. There's a governor's race in Kentucky. Uh, there's a legislative race in uh, Virginia. All of that is happening this year. I'm talking about the one next year where an entire new Senate is going to uh, come into shape. Uh, there will be carryovers, but a third of all the senators, the 34 senators who will be up for either reelection or for somebody new in their place. Uh, the House of Representatives, which is so narrowly divided, only five seats, giving Republicans their very slender majority. They will be defending that majority. That will be crucial. And then of course, there's a presidential election also coming up in 2024 and there are a number of pieces recently that say that a lot of what we've heard about the presidential election is it'll be decided by well-educated white women in the suburbs which is a group that uh, the Republican Party has had some trouble with and uh, actually there are new analyses that say the real decisive group that could very easily swing to a Republican victory for Senate seats for house seats and for the presidency is not white well-educated women in the suburbs it's actually Hispanics wherever they happen to be because the old line about Hispanics voting three-quarters of the Hispanic vote going to Democrats that seems to be out the window and uh, Ruben Navarrete has been writing about this for a long time. He is a syndicated columnist, he's a podcaster of the very popular Ruben in the Center. He does the Navarrete Sonic Podcast Network. He's a, a best-selling author and a frequent guest on TV and radio. Most importantly, he's a good friend and a friend of this show. Uh, Ruben, uh, did you see the piece by Rui Teixeira? uh which basically said this probably is the year where evidence says Hispanics are going over in a republican direction very notably do you agree with that analysis
0: Michael uh, great to be back with you my friend i did see that piece i've also seen other pieces uh that uh mr Cesera has written about the subject and i think it's it's an important trend it's a legitimate trend i I find interesting that the Democratic Party and Latino Democrats are so out of ideas that they're sort of, as he puts it on the back foot, you know, uh, with this population and um, that they are, are making excuses about exactly what's, what's gone wrong, if anything. They don't seem to take any responsibility in the Democratic Party for scaring off and alienating so many of these Latino voters. So it's clear from the statistics that on social issues in particular, a lot of Latinos think the Democrats have gone too far to the left like a lot of other Americans, and on uh, certain you know, fiscal issues, they've always been conservative, and they're finding um, increasing uh, home in the Republican Party. Now, there's a cautionary tale here, Michael, and that Latinos are sophisticated voters like everybody else, and they know the difference between a Republican named Ron DeSantis in Florida and a Republican named Glenn Youngkin up in Virginia. And they know that you can be a good Republican without necessarily uh, becoming a demagogue and uh, you're going to find them going to one and not the
1: other okay in terms of that when you talk about becoming a demagogue i know that what a lot of democrats had been expecting on to uh, keep uh, our uh, our latino democrats down home in on the ranchero uh is the supreme (laughs) court decision on affirmative action but the truth is most of the polling and i've looked at a great deal of it shows that a majority of Latino voters simply do not believe that people should be judged based upon their race rather than merit.
0: There's a very interesting uh, distinction here between Latinos and African-Americans who've been lumped together, you know, after the 1960s as one group in terms of uh, benefiting from affirmative action. And um, I just had an interview, uh, interviewed my good friend Tavis Smiley about how African-Americans see uh, the radio talk show host um, and longtime friend of mine um, about how they see affirmative action, and it's really different from the way Latinos see it. You know, uh, for, uh, many African Americans see it as a corrective, almost a kind of uh, bureaucratic form of reparations, uh, something to make right uh, historical wrongs. I don't know any Latinos uh, who who think that way. I don't know, even though we have suffered historical wrongs. You know? <laughs> I mean, they lost, we lost eight states to the in the U.S. Mexican War. Uh, so we don't think in terms of past grievance, we always think in terms of the future, which is to say, if we know by 2042, that whites are going to be a statistical minority in the United States and that Latinos will at that point be 25% of the U S population, it might not be such a bad thing that your kid go to a college where he gets to rub elbows with people who don't look like him. I'm just saying, right? Maybe it's a good idea to go and expose yourself to a diverse population of people because the country is becoming more diverse. So African-Americans also oftentimes talk about a corrective action. We talk about demographic reality of the future.
1: And speaking of the democratic uh, realities of the future, uh, if you look at California, where obviously there has been a big increase in the Latino population, the percent of Latino population, i know you're very aware of what's happened at the uh, blue chip uh, campuses of the university of california yeah uh that uh recently the number of latino students who have been admitted is equal to or higher than the number of white students who have been admitted yes yeah. yeah so-called it's white because, anglo you know, students
0: it's amazing michael in 1996 which now seems like many lifetimes ago. In 1996, California voters approved Proposition 209 to prohibit the state of California from using racial preferences, which is a little different than affirmative action for those in the know. It's a little harder, more rigid, more aggressive form of affirmative action, but racial preferences in uh, various fields, including college admissions. And there was this sense of panic that Latinos would, would suffer in the process. But there were various corrective measures that were taken in California that I think we will now see taken um, on the national level after the Supreme Court decision to allow, say, a percentage, for instance, in California, the people who graduate in the top 7 percent of their high school uh, are guaranteed a spot at at the UC, uh, that sort of thing. You're going to see that kind of corrective. And in a state that's 40 percent Latino, uh, his tax came out uh, not too much worse, worse for wear that's not true of African American numbers Uh, they fell off at UCLA they fell off at Berkeley They fell off at UC Santa Barbara they're much much lower Uh, but with regard to Latinos um, they're just out there plugging away working hard and getting the grades and getting into these places
1: okay if um, uh, the Republicans were determined to blow this great historic opportunity for Senate races (laughs) and House races and the presidency uh, this opportunity yeah. to create new bonds with the Hispanic histan- population, how would they blow it?
0: They have done this before. <laughs> <I have> a, <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm asking. It. <laughs> <laughs> you and I have been having this conversation various forms for 30 years, and we have seen in real time, you know, uh, them blow it. And one way in which they blow it, I'll give you an example. Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, former Republican governor of California, used to say correctly Look, it's okay that you're worked up over illegal immigration, but it would be really smart if you didn't attack the immigrants themselves who are just doing what anybody else would do, and that's seeking out a better opportunity, um, even if they're violating the law to do so, to support their families. This doesn't mean we should let them in. This doesn't mean we shouldn't round them up and deport them. By all means, let's deport them. But when you deport them, you don't have to kick them on the way out the door. You don't have to say that they're rapists and criminals and, you know, and, and demonize them. And, you know, Schwarzenegger, pretty smart immigrant himself, I think had the right idea, uh, which is that there is always this temptation, going back to the beginnings of the country, to say when you were trying to keep out the German, the Jews, the Irish, the Italians, that there's something wrong with these people. We ought to stop that.
1: And that's not usually a winning message. Ruben Navarrete is our guest. Uh, we will talk to him coming up about reparations in California. Any talk about reparations for Latinos? And if not, why not? Uh, We'll get to that and more coming up on The Medved Show.
0: There's a time where someone from the outside has to step in and take control. Michael Medved.
1: I was asking uh, Ruben Navarrete, my very special guest, before about what Republicans could end up doing to blow the opportunity that we have as Republicans, as conservatives, with uh, more and more Latino Americans willing to consider our arguments and our points of view. And uh, one of the things that uh, I think could certainly work in our favor is some of the stupidity that is so profound by on the part of the Democratic Party and on the part of the organized left and part of that is exemplified by the current commissions on reparations both by the state of California and the city of San Francisco the one by the state of California recently came up and uh, Ruben I'm sure you're on top of this with suggesting that as a form of reparations for slavery and racism and Jim Crow and discrimination, uh, that that basically we stop enforcing uh, any rules against urination in public. Now uh, this is not a joke. Yeah, this I, I'm sure you you've been on top of this story, right?
0: crazy set of, uh, not so surprising, right, a crazy set of recommendations out of San Francisco that also included, uh, uh, I think, over 100 different recommendations and, and saying that uh, African Americans who can show uh, a history of living in San Francisco should be able to buy homes in San Francisco for a dollar. Um, there were all these sorts of different things. I, I've talked to my my Black friends about this, in fact, and I think that there's a, a clear case of overreach uh, and uh, that this is this is something that started off in a reasonable way and became very unreasonable very quickly It's reasonable to say as a California court recently did that once upon a time California did not behave itself it did not it's not the paragon of liberalism that it pretends to be and that when it passed the California Fugitive Slave Law for instance, the state version of that notorious federal law, it said that that runaway slaves in California had to be apprehended and sent back to their their owners. So even though California did enter the Union in 1850 as a free state, quote, free state, there were many shenanigans after that in terms of uh, making us as Californians complicit in the slave trade. Uh, so that's a legitimate point. Uh, it's also legitimate to say that California has seized the property of African-Americans before, including Bruce's Beach in Southern California. A court finally you know, returned that to the Black family it was taken from. So there's a lot of legitimate historical grievances and claims that can be made, but as is typically the case, when you empower a task force with no guardrails, they come back with all sorts of crazy recommendations, and we are deep into the crazy in California.
1: Am I wrong to uh, surmise that uh, the reparations demands have never really caught fire in the Latino community?
0: Uh, You're you're correct about that. Uh, Asian Americans and Latino Americans are famous for the fact that we can demonstrate, if you like, we can sit down and we can show you, <laughs> dating back to the Chinese Exclusion Act, to the Foreign Miners Act that kept La- Latinos from participating in the gold rush, you know, uh, to all the various things, the Zoot suit, suit riots where the cops showed up and arrest, arrested the Latinos who got beaten up and not the soldiers who beat them up, the sailors who beat them up. There's a long list, but those, both of those communities, Asian Americans and Latinos, even though they have the receipts, right, Michael? They have the receipts for the way they've been mistreated Uh, They have not uh, had a grievance mentality where they come forward with, uh, this is what I'm owed, these are the reparations that are due me. Um, Our African-American friends and brothers see that differently, and they clearly uh, feel comfortable making these kinds of demands. Uh, And it seems like this crazy idea that used to be way out in the fringe has now become a much more realistic possibility here in California. Despite the fact that Gavin Newsom, who is running uh, running for president in a stealth campaign that's all but declared, that's another story he's backed away from this Commission this task force the idea of monetary uh, payments uh, and we're gonna see where that all goes but um, yeah this is this is an interesting time to live in California for sure
1: <laughs> well no doubt as and speaking of uh, Gavin Newsom running for president uh, you had a yep. comment recently about an alternative for the Republican Party I, I think you and I tend to agree that uh, probably uh, Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump, if they are the nominee, would have a tough time winning the election in November. Uh, You are more interested, it seems to me, in Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina. Why?
0: I'm interested in Tim Scott. I'm interested in Nikki Haley. I'm interested in Glenn Youngkin, where you get into the race. I'm interested in in people who have a sunny, positive outlook on on uh, the country and the world like Ronald Reagan did and not all doom and gloom. And, you know, I mean, I've got some spare time on my hands, so I think I'll pick a fight with Disney. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that the, I think that Ron DeSantis is incredibly unlikable, Michael. He's becoming <laughs> more unlikable. Uh, he celebrated gay pride month by putting out a uh, homophobic ad attacking Donald Trump uh, for being too friendly to LGBTQ Americans. It's, a, it's an interesting achievement when you manage, as Ron DeSantis has, to be so intensely unlikable that you actually make uh, Donald Trump into a sympathetic figure who's likable. Uh, and and speaking, here, speaking so.
1: of a sympathetic figure who's likable, <laughs> uh, people are now talking about Robert Francis Kennedy Jr. Uh, he's not going to yeah. win the Democratic nomination. That's extremely unlikely. But uh, what if he raises enough money, gets the taste enough in his mouth? And decides to run as a third-party candidate. That would probably help the Republicans, or maybe he would take just as many votes from Republicans. What do you think?
0: That would a major story when you think about it. That a Kennedy would leave the Democratic Party and run as an independent. I think Robert Kennedy Jr. Uh, is going to have a moment. He's going to he's going to continue to do well, capture people's attention and imagination, and and raise more money. I think he's going to win in New Hampshire, win the New Hampshire primary, in part because. Uh, if New Hampshire decides to go first as it wants to, or at least after Iowa, the first primary head of South Carolina, as the Biden administration has uh, mandated and decreed, well, then what happens? Biden says, I'm not gonna be on the ballot in New Hampshire and Robert Kennedy is, and he wins it. So I think that Robert Kennedy, like you, Robert Kennedy Jr., you know, can't win this thing, but he can walk off with 20, 25% uh, of the vote uh, and do some damage here. So I uh, I, I commend him. I think you know, he has a lot of interesting things to say. I don't agree with him on a lot of things. I think he's wrong on on Ukraine for sure. Uh, I think he's he's wrong on a, of several other issues. I've been disappointed in. he's not his father's son. He's not his father's son in some regards. Uh, but uh, in other regards, I think the Democratic Party really ignore him at their peril.